This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Today is the two scriptures I've got are basically bookending the life of the disciples. And um, I found this this week and I thought, this is interesting. Um, and so we're going to look at the bookend of the life of the disciples and some of the words that Jesus said, because what I found interesting in these two scriptures we're going to look at tonight is Jesus says basically exactly the same things at the start of the disciples' ministry as he does at the end of his time here on earth. And so um, I've entitled my message tonight, Toiled, Toiled, so that means worked. So in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through to 11, we can read these words. So Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through to 11, it says, One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, a great crowd of great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. I love the fact that when Jesus was preaching, people were hungry for the word. It was like, and you get this picture where Jesus is starting to preach and starting to bring the word, and people are getting so close to him that they actually push him into the sea. And so, you know, there's a hunger and a desire for the Word of God um, in these people's lives. And so verse 2 says, He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them there and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, the owner, to push out uh, uh, into the water. So he sat down in the boat and taught the crowd from there. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets for some fish. Master, Simon replied, we have, um, we have worked hard last night and didn't catch a thing. I want to tell you as a fisherman, that's a sad day. They've toiled all night. They've cast that net in and out all night and they caught Zippo. In fishing terminology, we call that a donut day. means we caught zero. See, donuts again, just saying. Caught zero. And what makes it worse for Simon and John and James and, and, and the, the other fishermen that was with him was that this was their livelihood. And so that day, the process would have been like this. They went home that night. And the wife or the mom or whoever that was in the household would have said, how'd you go? We're having donuts again. How'd you go? I caught nothing. What? You're out there all night and you caught nothing? You're out there all night from the whole evening and you caught nothing? And they would have to return and go, yep, it was quite a desperate situation for these men. Now go out where it is deeper. Let down your nets for uh, to catch some fish master simon replied we worked hard last night and didn't catch a thing but if you say so i i'll let down the nets again and this is um, and this time their nets were so filled with fish they began to tear and shout a shout for help brought their partners in other boats and as soon as both boats were filled the fish, uh, both, both boats were filled with fish and on the, on the verge of sinking. Verse 8, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, oh Lord, please leave me for I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught 
as were the others with him. His partners James and John and, and the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Great story. And I actually like it in this version of the gospel because some of the versions of the gospel basically, and it used to confuse me a little bit as a kid growing up in church because in some of the other gospels, the story goes like this. Jesus walked up to Simon um, and said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men and he left everything and went. And I looked at that as a kid growing up and I thought, that is stupid. That's one of those moments where it's like, why would you do that? This random, because this is the way it reads in some of the other Gospels, this random walks up to you and says, Anakin, leave fried chicken and come follow me. And Anakin goes, sure. You know, or, or it's like, you know, just, just that moment where it's like, you know, because the other Gospels, some of the other Gospels is like Jesus just appears out of the crowd, says the words and they go, sure, no problem. There's a little bit more to this story than that. See, Jesus spent time teaching and there was, I believe, reading between the lines, there was something in Jesus' message that caught Simon's attention. There was something that Jesus said that sparked an interest and maybe it went deeper than just an interest in the mind but it actually went to the heart and to the soul and to the spirit of the man. And I want to tell you, when you spend time with Jesus, there's an interest that starts to be sparked in your life. And so then there's this moment where it's like, you know, because let's just be honest, Jesus was a carpenter. That's what the Bible says, that his trade was a carpenter and he's telling seasoned fishermen to go back out and spend extra time to go back out and catch fish. I don't know about you, but if, if I'm there, I'm thinking, no, I'm the fisherman, Jesus. You're the carpenter. Just build me another boat. You know, build me a new sail, like mast. Build me this, build me that, because your expertise is in this area, but my expertise is in this area, and my expertise in life has brought nothing. Think about that in our own life, because sometimes we say this to Jesus. No, Jesus, I'm the master of my destiny. Jesus, no, I know better than you. God, how dare you even suggest that I come follow you? But there was something in the words that Jesus had said at some point when he was teaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee that sparked something in the heart of Peter. And when Peter was told to go out into the deep once again, because what makes this story worse, if you read again the story, you will find that they'd already cleaned their nets. It wasn't like, you know, they'd packed up for the day. They spent all night fishing, all night casting that net out, bringing it back, and they'd spent the time, and I sort of imagine it this way, Jesus is sitting in the boat or standing in the boat and he's teaching, he's preaching, and there's this moment where Peter is just cleaning his nets while he's listening to Jesus speaking. And so Peter had not only toiled all night and caught nothing, but he also spent quality time cleaning his nets so the next day he could go out again. But on the word of a carpenter, he got those nets dirty again. And if we're not careful, we can have that attitude with God where he will say things like this to us. Hey, person, can't call you all by name in a message. So, hey, you, hey, person, why don't you spend more time in my word? And we can say, well, no, I've toiled in the Word. 
I've read the Word. You know, and we have to be careful, especially when we've read the Bible lots of times, because there's those passages that we will skip over because we've toiled in those passages. Great example is the 23rd Psalm. I'm going to challenge you this week. Want some homework? You're going to get it. This is the homework. Won't be marked, so it's okay. You can relax. But, but it's like, go, go home and read the 23rd Psalm again. And you might say, but I know it. I can quote it off my heart. No, don't quote it. Go home and read it. Don't just say it out of rote, because if we're not careful, when it comes to the Word of God, we know Scriptures so well, even Scriptures like John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It just rolls off our tongue. In actual fact, it rolls off our tongue so fast that those around us are going, what? Because we know it so well. But I want to tell you, there's been moments when we've toiled in the Word and we've come out and we don't think we've had the value of the Word, but Jesus is saying, no, go deeper. Go deeper. And so whatever he tells us to go deeper in, guess what? We need to drop all the excuses and we need to go, well, no, Jesus, if you say, even though you're the carpenter and I'm the fisherman, if you say, I'm going to cast out into the deep, because I think it's interesting, Jesus did, didn't tell him to go out a little bit. There was effort and there was um, a, another set of toiling that had to happen before they caught fish. Can you imagine the conversation with Peter and his mates? We're going out again, boys. Oh, just clean the nets. Because they know that if they don't catch anything else again, they've got another however many hours it takes to clean their nets again. Love. Verse 5. Master, see, he went from some random, some bloke in a crowd that was just speaking. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night and didn't catch anything. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets again. And here's my challenge for you tonight. If you forget everything else that I speak to you tonight, what is it that God's challenging you to let down the nets again in in your life? What is it that you have pushed aside because it's been hard work? What is it that you've stopped doing because you've toiled in that area and it hasn't produced fruit? What is it that, not what I'm saying to you, but what's the Holy Spirit saying to you where it's like, you know what, I've been there, done that, didn't work, got donuts, but Jesus is stirring the boat. He's stirring the waters saying, come on, let down the nets. Come on, let down the nets. And, you know, I I know there's moments in my life I mean, a few years ago, God told me to go back and study again. Oh, I hate study. I mean, it's just not me. I mean, I'm mildly dyslexic. I have trouble reading. I have trouble with the retention when it comes to reading. And, and so not only did he tell me to study, he told me to go and study my master's, a, a level that it's like if I go back and told my teachers that I was currently studying my master's, they would laugh. And in actual fact, my mum tells the story that every teacher that has basically ever taught me has basically said that, you know, my education will be limited. It's actually, teachers said it about all the kids in my family. And um, we've, we've all now studied postgraduate. I think it's great. My mum said to me the other week, my mum said to me the other week, she said, oh, I wish I could find some of those teachers and just give them a piece of my mind. <laughs> Because, see, if you're not careful, you can have that attitude where it's like, because when I felt God tell me that I needed to go back to school, I, I, I had to say to God, God, I've toiled in that area. It doesn't come easier. And actually, in fact, I felt like I'd toiled in that area and not only toiled in that area, I'd cleaned the nets and I'd packed them up. 
you know, but he said, no, go back and study again. And so this is what I had to do. I had to say, well, I've toiled all night. I've packed up the nets, but if you say so, I'm going to go and do it. Now, I'm not 100% sure why. Some of it has to do with speaking into some churches in Asia because, um, you know, if to get into some of the churches in Asia, you have to be more qualified than the people you're speaking to. Some of it might be at some point that I'll get to lecture in a university, which I just think is hilarious, um, you know, because once I've done my master's level, then I can lecture the level under master's. Um, and, and that's sort of, I, I don't know fully why, but I do know this. The master said, no, cast out into the deep again. Cast out into the deep again because there's purpose. See, when Peter and James and John were rowing out, they didn't know they were going to fill multiple boats. They just knew that they were obeying the word of God. And what they did was when they let down their nets, the Bible says that the catch was so great that the nets began to break. Not only did the nets begin to break, get this church, the boats began to sink because of the great catch. They probably fished the same waters they had a few hours earlier, but the difference between fishing then to fishing now was that they were fishing with purpose. So when they got back, Peter's eyes were opened again. So there was something in the message that Jesus spoke that opened his eyes and allowed him to see that Jesus was worth following. But when he got back, Peter got a revelation, not only who Jesus was, but he got a revelation of who he was. Because he says these words, he says, Lord, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. He understood that what took place in his life was a miracle. He understood that he was in the presence of greatness. And so what he did was this, he actually said to Jesus, no, get away from me, Lord. Because I'm a sinful man, I love Jesus' response. Jesus didn't go, yeah, all right then. Yep, you're right, Peter. You're a smelly fisherman. Jesus didn't say, yep, Peter, you're right. I'm going to remove myself from you. And you know what he did was he actually drew Peter in. Come on, church. Peter's heart is this, hey, I'm sinful. Get away from me, God. I'm sinful. Get away from me, Jesus. And guess what Jesus does? I'll talk to some of the TC boys that might have a bit of an identity crisis because of your past. And then I'll talk to some other people who have got an identity crisis about their path because often what we do is we say, well, Jesus, why would you want me in your kingdom? Because I am just a... You don't know where I've been, Jesus. The fact is he does know where you've been. He does know what you've done. And he still says, hey, come and be my kids. Welcome into my kingdom. And so there's this moment in life where it's like Peter saying, Jesus, get away from me because I'm sinful. The next word Jesus says to him, he says, well, you've been fishing for people. Now you're going to follow me. I'm going to bring you into my inner circle. And not only am I going to bring you into my inner circle, I'm going to take the very things you know and I'm going to use them for the kingdom. Whew. Let's go to John chapter 21 because I've got to finish with the bookend or I'm going to finish. Moments. You know when you've read the Bible lots? I mean, this year I did that crazy reading plan where I read the Bible from cover to cover in three months. Was it three months? No, one month. 30 days. Whew. That was an effort. Didn't see this then. Didn't see this at that point. I was just minding my own business, reading John the other day. Wasn't even really reading with purpose. I was just flicking. I was just, I've got my messages sorted for the next little while. So I'm just cruising. I'm just reading. And so I'm reading John, and when I read this, it's like, hey, I've heard these words before. Look at what it says here. John chapter 21, verse 1 through to 14. 
Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. I, it doesn't actually say where on the Sea of Galilee, but I like to think it was in the same spot. I'd like to think that it was in the same area. Now, you might say, that's a stretch, Pastor Trevor. You're using license as a preacher. Peter had gone back to his old life. Peter had gone back to what he knew. He'd gone back fishing and so probably what he did was he went back to Dad and said, Dad, can I borrow your boat? Because we're going fishing, so who knows? Not too far of a stretch. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, uh, Simon Peter, uh, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, Nathaniel from Canaan in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. Hello? Here you have the bookend to this story, I believe, is they went all out all night and what did they catch, Pastor Lynette? A donut, just putting it out there, in hope and anticipation. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Jesus said, throw your net on the, uh, on the right side of the boat and you will get some. So they did and they couldn't haul the net because there were so many fish in it. The disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, so John said to Peter, it's the Lord. Helena, it's the Lord. That's Helena's statement. He put, um, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his, his tunic for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water and headed to the shore. The others stayed in the boat and pulled the, the loaded net to shore for they were about 100 yards from shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over, charcoal, over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net ashore. There were uh, 130, 153 large fish, and the net had not, uh, and, the, and yet the net had not torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. When uh, then Jesus served them bread and fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. See, here's the bookend to this story. It's the same story at the start as the end. And what we're going to understand about Peter, and we don't have time tonight to fully unpack it, but Peter had denied Jesus three times. And Peter had let Jesus down. Peter had been on a track in his life where Jesus had put into him for three and a half years, but at the end, Peter was the one that was letting him down as well as the other disciples. And so there's this point in life, I, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty crummy about myself at this point. I'm feeling pretty bad about myself at this point. I'm feeling pretty bad and just the fact that it's Jesus on the shore again you know, I've got all sorts of emotions starting to raise up in my life. You know, oh, that's I'm the denier. I'm the one who fell asleep when Jesus needed me in the Garden of Gethsemane. I'm the one that did this and I'm the one that did that. And so I've got all these feelings starting to raise up in my heart and in my spirit. But the thing I love about Peter is he doesn't let that get in the way. He actually jumps and he goes ahead. 
he actually leaves again the fish to go and follow Jesus. And there's a point in the conversation, if you want to keep reading and you want to follow the story right the way through, where Jesus restores Peter in that moment. He reinstates him. At the start, he actually, not only does he reinstate Peter, but he gives him an extra emphasis to the ministry. He gives him an extra emphasis to what he's about to do. Because the start, the words were this, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And at the end of the story, Jesus is saying to Peter, no, you need to feed my lambs. You need to look after my sheep. You need to take not just not just going and fishing, but you need to take a care for the body of Christ as well. And I want to tell you, Peter went from this moment and he took a hold of what Jesus had said. He took a hold of what Jesus had said in the restoration of his life and he went and preached the gospel and they did miracle after miracle after miracle and after miracle. There's times in the book of Acts where accusation were coming against these men and this was the word of the accusation that was coming. These men are turning the world upside down. Why were they turning the world upside down? Because they were willing to follow the words of the carpenter. They didn't go, you're just a carpenter. You're just this. You're just that. No, they took on board what Jesus said and because of that, their identity not only changed but it developed over time as well. See, the you that gets saved might not be the you that Jesus uses later on. It'll still be you, but as you follow, he makes. As you follow, he inputs into your life. As you follow, you become the disciple that he's able to use for greatness into the future. So I want to encourage you, whatever it is that Jesus is telling you to do, you just need to go, you know what? I'm not going to have that attitude where it's like, I'm better than you. I know more. Because as humans, we do, do we not? Especially blokes. We are taught, we are taught as men that we just need to get on with it and get over it. We, we, we are taught that as men. We are taught that men do not cry. Men do not show emotion. We are, we are taught that you need to be a self-made man. Can I just get rid of that out of your thinking? And you need to understand, you need to be a man that's made in the kingdom of God. Because I love what God does in the kingdom of God. I love the way he explains a marriage relationship about the two becoming one. You think about those words for a moment. Two becoming one. Not one greater than the other, two becoming one. You know, I, I love the fact that Jesus took women in a society where women were downtrodden where women, women were basically second-class citizens. And I love the fact that Jesus took those women and he elevated to them to a place of importance in the kingdom of God. I love the way he treated women. You know, I, I love the way he honoured both male and female and brought them both to a place where he says, you know what, they both have importance, both genders have importance in the kingdom of God. See, God's... He doesn't worry about gender because he says in heaven there is no gender. He says there is no male or female in heaven. And so this is just what we carry now to perform a function here on earth so we can populate the earth. But in heaven it's a little bit different. And so what he does is he doesn't push down. You know, I love the fact that Jesus doesn't push down the poor, he actually elevates the poor. His justice is amazing. I love the fact that he doesn't 
he doesn't discard kids. He actually says, no, let the kids come. doesn't matter how young you are, let them come. Let them come. And I love hearing stories about people who are five, six, seven, eight, and they're prophesying and doing that sort of stuff. Why? I love that. Why? Because age isn't the issue. The issue is whether our heart is before God. You know, I love the fact that Paul can say to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Happened to be 35 at the time, but anyway, that's another story. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. And I think some of that youngness is even young in the faith. You know, because we use stupid things in churches where it's like, no, someone has to be saved 25 years before they get to minister and before they get to do that. And this is Jesus' model. He got them saved and then they're off. He actually said this, within three and a half years, I'm out of here and you're the boss. <laughs> you know, so what we need to understand is as we allow him to take us, as we allow him and as we're obedient to his voice, what happens is maturity starts to form in our life. And then there's this point where it's like, you know, we're not worried whether we've toiled or not. You know, we're not worried whether we've flown back from Thailand in just a few hours ago. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're tired. If God's got a work for us to do, guess what? We're in there. We're in there. Why are we in there? Because you know what? There's a benefit that comes from the work. Let's all stand up. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.